0: Welcome. My name is Tracy Cook, and this is a podcast series, Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles of all forms, that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans like our upcoming guest, who is also a Victim to Victory collaborative author in the upcoming Victim to Victory book, and she is going on to empower, support, and inspire so many people. Now, Nefertiti San Miguel, welcome to Victim to Victory.
1: Much love from this side of the world. So happy to share this virtual space with you and your audience. Thanks for the invitation to be part of it.
0: It is absolutely our pleasure. Now, you're a performer. You're a library. You do library presentations. You're teaching and um, you, you've got just such a presence about you and we've been friends for quite a while and I've seen your growth and your journey and you're so authentic and you lead from your heart and I just know how much you really dedicate your time and your effort and your your research into all of the projects that you actually do and you make so many communities happy and you share your joy and you're just such a a, a welcoming presence in the world you're a visionary of tomorrow so please connect with never like share comment because she is the change in the world that we need to see and where does your story start
1: I will say that the story started even before I was brought into this world because I was a wanted child. So I went off to a very wrong start and I have to take it humorously now, but I'm sure I am not the only one in the mix. So you just have to make the best of it. I grew up in very challenging circumstances, surrounded by sociopaths, starting with my two parents they had a very charming way how to sell themselves as very respectable in society and that puts you in a position where nobody gives you credit for your pain and suffering actually gets totally disregarded. so i have to make myself look pretty and look happy even if it if it was just the most challenging time because what difference does it make nobody takes you seriously so it had been a long chain of events and most of my life i was in the middle of total chaos from the environment and then that triggers the mental aspect of it so it was just in recent years thanks to embracing art and take a different approach to art more as a therapeutic activity and intertwined with neuroscience that I found what I label as my holy grail. So now I'm preaching it. I'm bringing that gospel into the world. And I am out on a mission to share it with as many people as possible. Because if it works for me, I have all the strong faith that it can help many other people to actually become that version of them that you're going to be proud of and you can bring those changes that you want to see in the world yourself so my mission is to deliver smiles and flower the world with my art because it's all related to floral design Japanese style so that's kind of the
0: highlight I love that now talk to um, me a little bit about art and neuroscience how does that work together
1: Well, that's one thing that I'm taking upon myself to bring it out to the world because nobody's having that conversation these days. We have a tendency that everything is isolated. You know, if you are here, you are not here, and nobody wants to take the time to bridge that gap and make a connect. And that's what I'm doing. So, for example, my most recent endeavors—it's really embracing the Ikebana art form, which is the Japanese soothing way to arrange flowers and create a more sane environment, fostering for creativity, conducive for mental health. So even when I was attending all those programs around formally ikebana training, nobody talks about the therapeutic aspect of it or the neuroscience behind it. So I have been actually going on my own quest, making my notes, making those bridges to come together and really stop the gap and then bring that out to the audience in a way that is digestible, that nobody's thinking about it. So I advocate for arts, I advocate for neuroscience, I advocate also for mental health and family planning. Since I was a wanted child and I know what it is, to carry that cross on your shoulder the entire life we need to stop the madness i'm going to be a little bit of disruptive individual here and we have to do better planning not only for ourselves but for society because we don't need a bunch of unwanted childs having all these crutches and mental issues and then who's going to take care of that they cannot even do it themselves You know, it took me a long time for me to get my act together and step out of depression. And anybody who knows me, they will be like, "Ah, really? Oh, I wouldn't guess. I didn't know because I have to fake it so well. And that's one of the reasons why I became a performer. Like, okay, let's take it to a different level. Let me just hope somehow do what is called imagine reality build up my own bubble in my own world so i don't totally lose it and also that's one of the reasons why i advocate for performing arts because i believe that everybody should experience at least once to be on stage and have that presence have full attention from the audience it's a life-changing experience so that's kind of the highlight of how I put all that together, that for a lot of people, they are not correlated.
0: That is absolutely amazing that you can actually, I mean, art is so therapeutic anyway, and performance is that real imaginary place, like you said, where you can be whatever you want to be. And how, when you were growing up, if you don't mind me asking, did you always know that You were meant for more, though? Did you always feel like you were put here for a purpose?
1: It was questionable because I was questionable. But kind of on the back of my mind after a certain age, I had to think that it became kind of a a brand among the people who knew me because I felt like E.T. phone home. I, I didn't belong there. I was the outer space individual. And, as things evolved, I was like, "I am not living in this freaking country. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm out. And I was on a mission to search and make possible those options that it could take me abroad. And I knew from the time that I was in my early teens that I was going to be migrating to some place out there in the planet. Where I could not only find happiness, but be allowed to have it and keep it. Because being a wanted child, this is what happens. Everybody around you is going to dump their passive behavior on you. And nobody pays attention to that. So they will get out of their way to make you suffer. And they will do their best even if the conditions are not right to ruin it for you if you're having a good time. That's what I endure my entire life. So it was a mixture of like, I cannot provide for myself. I am stuck here, but as soon as I'm able, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I will manage something, you know, up above. It will have to send me the right resources for me to like gracefully exit out. And it took me multiple attempts, but here I am, you know, rocking my style, living in a beautiful country, having a dream life. And not only the dream life, but I am crafting daily a masterpiece out of my life. And that's the reason why I say to people, curate your environment. Think of your life like it's going to be displayed in a museum. You have to curate the environment. And that's one of the reasons why in the chapter of the book I wrote, I decided to cut all bullshit out of my life. And excuse my refined French, but there's no other way how to present Mm -hmm. it. Because otherwise you are just rehearsing the same thing. And it's scientifically proven by neuroscience that you can only hold one thing in your mind. So if you are just rehearsing all the passive aggressive behavior that you have to digest on the daily basis, you are cutting yourself short from evolving and becoming something greater than you are at a particular given moment. So that's kind of how I put all that into perspective. And I know it might be a lot to digest and let that sink. But if you can get even if just a fraction, I guarantee you your life is going to be so much better and richer.
0: Oh, that is just so powerful and just wonderful practical advice for any kind of situations as well. Just that uh, grit to overcome and that grit to just, you know, want to be better and having the awareness around that, you know, if things don't change, things don't change and we can, we can change at any time. Now, talk to me about your chapter. Was it therapeutic for you to, to write? And what kind of takeaway would you like everybody to take away from your chapter inside the Victim to Victory book?
1: The chapter, and now I'm going to take like a deep breath and let it out because when you put something in writing, you become a published author. You own that. It's going out to the public. And there's no way to read. Trivert, change the story, change the plot. It's out there to the public eye. And coming from a background that you hush-hush everything, coming out of the closet and calling things out the way that it should be called out, it turns you upside down, inside out. And it took me quite some time to digest it and say, I own it. And by me doing this uncomfortable action taking, not only I'm going to be of service to somebody else, but also I'm bringing my own justice in an silent way because nobody else took up upon themselves to bring justice or even attempt to make things right. So by me putting it out there and bringing that chapter, no pun intended, to a rest and a close without going into the interaction like you did this to me and you still denying it, there's no point. You know, sociopaths are going to be sociopaths until the end of times. There's no fixing. And the ones ruining it out for you sadly they are not the ones that come to the rescue and say oh let me change it i acknowledge that i did you wrong it never happens it's not in my lifetime not to me if somebody else had that pleasure well i'm cheering up for that accomplishment but that never was the case so coming to that situation where you have to own your space and say, okay, I'm going public. It's a little bit of shaky from the inside out because you don't know how to like really make that piece until you put it out. And then you are like, mm-hmm. I just release that emotional charge. It's a beautiful thing. It's a scary thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. It's almost unmanageable because you have all these thoughts taking over your brain. It's like a tsunami wave of mixed emotions. But you have to learn how to surf those tsunami waves. So I encourage anybody out there listening to this episode to make your own quest. Make the list of things that you need to put to rest and address them. Even if it's just one every six months, a month, a year, whatever is suitable for you. Because there's a term called mental sludge in neuroscience. And it's a thing. And it's a powerful thing that not too many people give the right credibility. When you say, well, it's not so bad and I can manage or I will suck it up or I will put up with it. On the back of your brain, your mind, you are having this mess, this mental chaos that is just sinking you down and you are not even aware of it. So even if it's something as simple as telling somebody, I am not happy with the way you addressed this topic last week. That's one thing less for you to overload your brain. So I am also advocating for taking the deep breath and make the uncomfortable situation, even if it's just by writing a quick note and send it to somebody. You don't want to engage. You don't want the face to face confrontation. Send a text, you know, whatever it takes. Get the shot of espresso and send it, you know, go and. Wear yourself out after the run and send it. Whatever is going to get you pumped to just take care of one thing that they have been bugging the crap out of you, go and take care of it. And you're going to thank me later because you're going to start releasing all that mental sludge and then you're going to have a space for creativity, for bringing out the best of you out to the world. So that's a little neuroscience hack for you.
0: That is absolutely amazing. And um, we all need a little bit of neuroscience insights, don't we, to, to propel us and make sense of why we do what we do 100%. And what kind of message would you like to leave the audience on?
1: I will say never, ever discount your talents, capacity, and capabilities. And I'm going to leave you with this as a uh, personal practice that I want to share with you and encourage you to do whatever it's something small or big that makes you happy and you have a sense of accomplishment write it down at the end of the year before you say farewell to that calendar year make a review of all those and keep building up that confidence so never Stop trusting yourself. Don't doubt yourself because you are capable. You have more resources and more more talents that you are ever aware of. So even if we haven't met in person, I am sending you love, appreciation, and encouragement, cheering up for all those accomplishments, whether small or big. And you can send me a note and let me know how you managed to find your own holy grail. So that's what I have to say before we gracefully come to a farewell.
0: I think that is absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for giving us an insight into your story and being brave to share your story and all its vulnerability as well. Nefertiti, you are the visionary of tomorrow. You're very, very appreciated in the Victim to Victory community as well. And you can find the Victim to Victory podcast on YouTube, Apple and Spotify. If you got value from today, and I know you did, then please subscribe and comment and share, connect with Nefertiti if you want a visionary of tomorrow to help mentor you through your struggles and to make you see yourself in your inspiration as well. Thank you very much. And I'll leave you with a message of wear your story like a superhero cape and not an anchor. Thank you very much. We'll see you on the next episode.